Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Dr. Amy Lee, she's a medical doctor and a nutritionist and an author. We're going to talk about glucose monitoring and the current obesity crisis that seems to be mushrooming everywhere. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for coming. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, tell me a bit about your uh, history. What got you interested in uh, glucose monitoring and obesity? Well, I think it's just this evolution of uh, metabolic health. You know, the first the year when I came out of practice or I came, just got done with all my training and everything was back in 2007. And I think at the time uh, I realized that the mainstream medical practice really comes down to prescribing medications and covering, you know, all the making sure you're covering all the chronic diseases that are in the medical field, right? And so it got really sort of boring and mundane for me to just prescribe medicine and not really hit the problem at the core. I realized early on that it was, you know, Partly really weight management is really a cure for a lot of the conditions and disease states that I was treating. And so kind of helped me reinvent myself at the time and go down this path of really practicing nutrition medicine or an obesity medicine to really help people gear their conditions, not manage it easier. What were you seeing with just prescribing medicine and slapping them on the back saying, you know, see you soon? Was it helping people? Or was it not? So like, you know, beyond the fact that it was I guess, mundane and boring, did it work? Yeah, it definitely helped probably for the time being, but it literally was a band-aid to an issue. They always come back and I end up being their medication management physician and prescribing and refilling, but we're not really curing any condition. So the problem itself, it became very unsatisfying for me when you realize you're not really actually curing a disease state. So how has your perception of obesity and diabetes and glucose monitoring, how has it evolved as you've evolved your thinking? Like, you know, what's different about it now versus before? Sure. You know, back in the day when we were practicing, you know, your classic, you know, come in my office and I'll check your blood sugar and your biomarkers, biometrics, blood pressure and whatnot. But as things have evolved in with technology and even in current AI, now we're able to monitor and measure remotely at real time. And it's impactful because it really plays a huge positive role in the psychology behind the actual patient who wants, you know, immediate result and as well as feedback on what they're doing and if they're doing it right. So glucose monitoring is a very impactful tool that is available to us now for us to say, all right, what you're doing now is causing this blood sugar spike and what you do after could impact and improve the spike and ultimately make a huge difference in the long run. And so that along with many other tool sets, that is now available, I think it's very helpful in the practice of this type of medicine. All right. So glucose monitoring, I've worn like the Dexcom G6, G7, and you know, the Lifestyle Libre, you know, I use old finger sticks, you know, I really don't like them. But how is that taking a role in your current practice? Uh, you know, how much do you use new technology? And, you know, we'll get into that. 
to be honest with you, I, we're, we're early. I mean, we're adopting right now into our business. So we're still in the early phases of even bringing technology on. But we definitely met, you know, with owners of the brands that you have mentioned to really understand the nuance, the differences, you know, which brand to to actually use in our patient population. You know, there's so many different brands. Some of these brands are paid for by insurance and some are not. Some are more sophisticated and some are not. And so it depends on what level of data you're trying to collect. And as a provider with a full practice and really diabetes management is not my main, main practice, right? It's just a kind of indirect management that I end up doing because I'm treating someone with weight management. So then I end up thinking and looking at their blood sugar. But otherwise, I'm this is not my bread and butter uh, in any way or form. So therefore, I want really straightforward information, you know, your continuous sugar, glucose data plus spikes, and also being able to immediately give feedback at the time at which there is a spike or opportunities where we can make changes. Otherwise, some of these wearables and tools also track other things and with a very sophisticated app that goes along with the technology piece, of course. But for me, I'm all about just straightforward information and seeing how my nutrition therapy can help them kind of navigate through all these numbers. Yeah. And so what's the concept? So it's, are you doing research or it's all clinical work? And, you know, if it's not diabetes, what is it? Is it just helping people with chronic obesity or, you know, how would you characterize it? For sure. I think, you know, simply if you just think of it as in our business, we do weight management. So it's very important to catch what we call these so-called insulin spikes. So certain foods that you may eat and consume can cause your body to react differently. And these spikes could actually infer or indirectly tell us that likely when you have these spikes, it may control the way we behave and think and also the way our body stores glucose into our fat cells. So we try to do everything we can to keep the spikes from even happening. And so there are certain foods and macronutrients that we can focus on and use that as our teaching point on focusing on these types of foods versus that to prevent further or future spikes. And it's almost like a kind of continuous education tool that allows us to see everything that's happening within the cellular level and to help our clients make sense of what they're doing and is it impactful. So let's get into some concrete examples. So, you know, what is the issue that you see, you know, preponderance of the people that come to you have and you know, what are some of the protocols you developed to help them? Well, some of the tools that we are creating and our company is actually partnering up with another company called Pair, which is an AI-driven exercise therapy app and technology. So they are tying the glucose monitoring piece along with their library of different types of activities that one can utilize and activate in response to the sugar spikes or the data that you acquire from glucose monitoring. So example would be, all right, if you are on a higher regimen of protein, for example, and you can see that for every meal that you put in a certain amount of proteins or net carbohydrate, then your sugar spike wouldn't be as high as it would if it was higher in carbohydrates, you know, bread and pasta and whatnot. So that actually creates behavioral change in the way you think about your next meal and thereafter. So that's kind of like the perfect example. And of course, once you see a spike, then the app itself could implement and suggest various exercise modalities for you to undergo or try to bring down that sugar quickly. So this is what we're working on right now with the company. Yeah, I've noticed, you know, when I wore the Dexcom, for instance, it was really instructive. Yeah, you know, I'd eat like chicken and rice at one place and the sugar would go up maybe to like 120. Then I eat it at another place. Whatever they cooked it with, obviously, it was no good. It went up to like 180, 190. But I also noticed, too, if I would go for a walk immediately after eating, it would bring down, you know, after 20 minutes, it would bring the sugars down like about 30 points. So uh, immediate exercise, even if it's a low level of walking, 
you know, after a, you know eating something sugary that would mess up your blood sugar can help. That's just one thing I saw. Exactly. And, you know, your activity level is, is super powerful. And I think sometimes people just don't realize that there's a lot they can do to drive down that blood sugar. Of course, immediately is way more meaningful than if you did it like three hours after a fast. So and I think more and more people are open to, you know, instant feedback of information as we see the growth of this type of technology as well. Well, I also saw like myself, I would eat something and then my blood sugar would go up and it would come down slowly. And my wife, if she ate the wrong thing, her blood sugar would spike and then crash like 30 minutes later and go real low. So she had like a completely different profile than I did. And when she improved her eating and stopped having, you know, kept it within range and also kept it from moving around too much, then she wouldn't have these spikes, these troughs, and she felt a lot better. So it's just interesting, all the behaviors and things you could see that you can't see with finger stick every few hours. Exactly, exactly. And because everyone's so different, these types of technology driven by AI could actually cater specifically to that individual, which is more meaningful than if we were to kind of treat everyone like, you know, the cookie cutter protocol. And so I think- But what about at least, you know, Developing some archetypes. You know, has anyone looked at that? Like in blood sugar response? Yeah, I know everyone's different. But there's usually like, you know, three to five, let's say, archetypes for response to anything. You know, that might get 80% of the people or 90% of the people to identify that. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know the details of what people are, you know, what the technologies are out there. But definitely we, we go by patterns, of course. The most common are the common, but there's always that one exception, right? And I think the way, you know, we are utilizing AI and just keep feeding data into the system, you'll be able to serve a wider net of folks, right? But definitely there'll be days when you miss that, that super special, exceptional person as an individual. But that's just the gist of, you know, technology, though. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. So where do you feel like you're really able to make, you know, an outsized impact in patient, you know, patient outcomes? You know, because you said you were bored with the traditional medicine. So people like you, you know, they're always innovating and thinking and making new stuff. So where do you feel like you've really uh, made inroads to help people more than normal? I think even just practicing this type of medicine in the first place, you know, recently I saw on LinkedIn that there are now probably 8,200 obesity medicine board certified physicians out in the U.S., as well as Canada, in totality, that's 8,200 folks who are who call themselves obesity specialists, which if you compare to the many numbers of doctors, specialists, and even alternative practice folks like, you know, naturopathic doctors and whatnot, really, it's a small number. So with that said, it's almost like 
there's not many people like us that actually want to focus our career into treating this one cohort of folks who need it most. But yet 66% of our U.S. American adults are overweight and obese. So there's just not enough of us. So I would say this patient population is very underserved. There's still a lot of negative stigma um, when it comes to treatment of this cohort clients and patients because of just the negative sort of perception of a overweight person in general. Um, negative stigma could be something stemming from, you know, a personal bias or just even personal struggles. You know, if an overweight doctor is treating overweight patients, it's almost like you look at each other. They're like, they'll be looking at each other thinking, all right, who are you to tell me what to do when you yourself are overweight and you don't look like the bill of health yourself? And so there's a lot of psychology that goes behind this practice in itself. But I think the biggest impact, at least feel like I've contributed, it at least will be in my lifetime, is being able to focus and stand by what I believe in. You know, I'm tired of prescribing medications like blood pressure medicines and diabetes medicine or cholesterol medicines when in reality, I need to help this client lose 30 pounds, which is really the cure of all these three conditions that I mentioned, more common than not. And so for me to even stand by what I practice and commit my career in doing it, I think in itself is pretty telling. But otherwise, you know, everything else that I do on a daily all evolve around this idea of how can I help you improve your overall metabolic health? It's not just about the vanity of losing 30 pounds or 40 pounds. You know, I need to live longer, but longer, more better quality of life, which is more meaningful. So that's really how I kind of approach my practice. Maybe it's obvious, but what do you see are the real stumbling blocks to people overcoming obesity? And, you know, does it does it kind of get uh, does it become a part of you after so long that it's not that people give up, but they just accept, you know, I'm a big guy or I'm a big lady or I'm overweight. This is how I am. Nothing's going to change it. That's it. I just need to live with it. First of all, I think the person, um, the individual himself or herself really just need to understand, do you feel like you're at the best of what you're at now? You know, do you feel healthy? You know, um, some people live and stay overweight and obese for the rest of their lives with that same thinking of just giving up. Yes, they're like, oh, I tried everything, but for some reason, I always regain all the weight that. I've. But then the question really comes down to why? Why do we regain all that weight that we lost? Because you're capable of losing it, but yet you always regain that weight plus more for whatever reason. And I think that individual has to really sit down and figure out the actual reasons on why they're going through this yo-yo. Because otherwise, they're just going to keep going back and forth doing the same thing over and over again and paying in for whatever programs and medications. And I do feel that there is underlying deeper-seated issues and, and even psychological problems of a lot of individuals in America today that put them into the path of eating inappropriately or disorderly eating and the feeling of not wanting to go move their bodies or be active or, you know, just doing things along with the stresses of life and struggles. So all of that are contributing to this ultimate behavior, which put you at risk for weight gain. And everyone's different. So I can't treat everyone as if like everyone comes in with, you know, 30 pounds who are 30 pounds overweight have all underlying same issues. In reality, everyone has their own baggage, has their own risk, has their own contributors to why they're there today with their own struggles. 
So this is why the art of practice in this business is it's very, it's unique and also very complex at the same time. But when it comes down to the individual themselves, they have to also take self-responsibility and figuring out, all right, I need to make changes. Why do I need to make changes? And are those wise, impactful enough and important enough for me to do something about it and actually maintain that weight loss ultimately? Or am I going to just go through the typical yo-yo dieting that most people undergo? So yeah, that's a pretty heavy question, but that's kind of how I approach it when it comes to helping these folks. Okay. Well, very good. What's the best way you believe for someone to even identify that they have, you know, it's not just that they're overweight, but maybe there's something more serious about it or, or anyone that's, that's overweight significantly, they really should start paying attention to this regardless of how they feel about it. What are some resources for people where they could start learning about how to help themselves? So like I mentioned earlier, there are practitioners like myself that where we do nothing but weight loss medicine, right? And so that puts us kind of like, we're specialists in what we do. So seek out for these individuals, get the referral from your primary care see if your, you know, medical insurance even have that kind of coverage. Understand what you're able to afford and not able to afford. Because at the end of the day, if your insurance don't pay for it, then it is out of pocket. And then you have to question the whole, you know, realistic aspect of, hey, can I afford this out of pocket? And there's a lot of programs out there that are medically supervised versus not medically supervised. And Frankly, that's also, I believe, adds on to the problem because it's just a lot of noise and a lot of competition. So sometimes people get overwhelmed by the overwhelming amount of information and amount of offering out in space. So I think the first approach is ask your own doctor if there's a good referral base in your health system in the first place. See if your insurance actually pays for anything or if there are even medication on a formulary in your insurance plan. That will be a good start. And oftentimes that could actually help you leap down the path of what you can you know, afford or not afford or what's available to you or not in your community. But answering the ultimate question of, do I feel healthy? Could I be better? Probably be super important. Okay. And where do you service people? Is it nationwide through telemedicine or just in your state? Like where does someone need to live in order to get help from you? Yeah. So I am located in Southern California and my daytime job, I'm actually a chief medical officer for a medically supervised weight loss company called Endora. We're all we're only located in Southern California currently with 30 clinics, but recently we had some exciting development. We just partnered up with a franchise company called Expo and they actually are one of the bigger franchisor, what we call boutique fitness. So we are actually their first metabolic health brand. And so our partnership would be super impactful because the goal here is to get our business outside of California and to really create this great offering for everyone else in the nation. So hopefully we'll be in your neighborhood and you know anywhere outside of California soon. But my other job is being the nutrition advisor for Nucifit and who you're basically doing this podcast for. And we actually focus on pretty novelty supplements. And obviously, I'm just there. I'm their nutrition counselor or advisor to help them kind of isolate and approve various recipes and formulations. And that's kind of the two things that I do. But if you or in my area in Southern California, definitely look for a company called Lindora. And this is what we do. And we specialize in weight management. Yeah, very good. Well, Dr. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.